this morning as we consider uh, following God's will is really, uh, it's really what we're looking at. And if you remember in Paul's first missionary journey, um, they went from Antioch through Cyprus. Remember, Cyprus is where Barnabas was from, and Barnabas was uh, Paul's partner in ministry. And then they went up, and they went towards a different Antioch. Then they came down to uh, Iconium and, and Lystra, and then they came back. And uh, that was the first, first missionary journey. But this morning, what we are going to look at is Paul's second missionary journey. If you remember in Acts chapter 15, that Paul and Barnabas, they, they parted ways. And uh, they had a disagreement. As in life, we go through disagreements. And as Christians, we really need to learn to uh, grow. How do we deal with disagreement? How do we deal with conflict? Um, I, I know that so many times in the world, you deal with conflict by just beating the other person, right? Whatever it is, like uh, getting the promotion above them, that's how you deal with conflict. Or telling your boss about them, that's how they get fired. Or you run away from them and you just don't talk about things and you just, you just go away and that's how you deal with conflict. But as Christians, the Lord wants us to deal with disagreements in a different way. And I'm blessed that Paul and Barnabas' story of what happened to them is included in Acts chapter 15 because it reminds us that they weren't perfect. Um, when we read about the apostles, when we read about Paul and Barnabas, remember this, we could have heroes in a sense in life, people that we look up to, people that have encouraged us. But remember this, there's only one hero, and his name is Jesus. That is the hero, because he won't let us down. And every other person that is a hero, if you start to uncover the layers, and, um, and you just listened in on conversations when they argued with their wife, or when uh, they got frustrated at work, or when they were at school, you know, going through something, then you start to find out that there's no one perfect except Jesus. So because of that, it is so important for us as a church and as Christians to give people grace. It's really one of the values of Calvary Chapel is, is grace. Because grace is something where, um, you know how in a, a system of law in court, you're what? Innocent until what? Proven guilty. And sometimes as Christians, we could um, unknowingly or unintentionally do this we'll see how you respond towards me, we'll see what you act like, and then I'll decide whether or not to give you grace. But remember, God's default is grace. Our default as Christians should be grace. So we we learned about that a little bit last week. But this morning, we are going to look at Acts chapter 16. And uh, the question is, um, following God's will, how do you know the will of God? Well, let me start off with a couple of quotes. First one is by C.S. Lewis. And the quote, it says this, In Gethsemane, the, holiness, the holiest of all petitioners prayed three times that a certain cup might pass from him. It did not. Do you remember that when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. Now, Jesus' heart was right, Right? right jesus is sinless right okay so he's saying father if there's some other way then let that happen and three times he prayed that and the father said no this is the way that i have for you um elizabeth elliot whose husband uh jim elliot was killed along with the other missionaries there in uh, ecuador um the will of god is not something you add to your life she said it's a course you choose You either line yourself up with the Son of God 
or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. So we either line ourselves up with God and follow God and Lord, whatever your will is, or we just say, hey, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm just making my own decisions. So this morning, my question to you is this, before we get into this text, this morning, do you want to follow God's will or are you only wanting God to bless your will? It's challenging to think of. Am I willing to follow God's will or do I just want God to bless my will? So let's pray. Father, this morning again, uh, we ask that you would help us to trust you. We pray that you would help us to want your will, your desire, because Lord, you love us and you know what's best for us. So help us to understand this, not only to understand it in our head, but in our heart to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, maybe a better question this morning is, am I willing to follow the will of God? I, I think sometimes as a follower of Christ, to not follow him is to not trust him and trust his leadership. And, and the question uh, at the root of it is, do I trust him? So read with me in Acts chapter 16, uh, the way that the Holy Spirit led them. After this disagreement, and Paul went one way, and Barnabas went another way, and Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took Mark with him. It says that in Acts chapter 16, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This morning, I want to begin with Paul's missionary journey. And the first thing that he does is he follows up on discipleship. Remember that Paul wanted to go back through the cities where they had preached the gospel. They had planted churches. He wanted to see how they were doing. He wanted to follow up, to check up on them, uh, to strengthen them, to see if there's some way that, that maybe they could be encouraged mutually. And I want to encourage you that when it comes to following up on people, um, just a practical thing that you could do before, uh, you know, driving with a cell phone and talking on the phone was illegal. Let me tell you what I used to do. Okay. And you, you might still do this. It's illegal. Don't do it. But before that, you know, it was kind of, I would scroll through my cell phone and I'd look for someone that I hadn't talked to in a while and I would drive. I used to work over in San Jose, and I lived in, in Gilroy, and when we planted the church there, uh, my job was in San Jose, and I used that as my time to catch up with people. I find that now, because my commute is much smaller, I just live down the you know a couple of miles away, I have to make it that an intentional thing to follow up with people. 
And I want to encourage you to do the same. I want you to think for a moment of people maybe that you haven't seen in a while. Maybe friends, maybe family members. And sometimes months can go by, sometimes years can go by. And you know how there's that awkwardness if you let too much time go? And you're like, how do I start this conversation? Just do it. Just check up on them. Just give them a call. And I think that what Paul wanted to do was to go back through these areas where he had planted churches and he wanted to see how they were doing. The first place they went to was a place called Derby. Now remember that um, Barnabas, he went the different route. He went back through Cyprus the way that they came last time. But because Paul and Barnabas split ways, now Paul goes north and he goes this different way. And he goes to Derby, which was one of the few places where Paul didn't get beat up. So that's always a good place to start. You know, go back to a place where you didn't get beat up. And uh, he went back there and, and um, there was no incident, no riot there. And, and that was a blessing. But then notice that Paul also went back to Lystra. Now, do you remember what happened in Lystra? Let me tell you that Lystra was the place where when Paul and Barnabas came, they said, these men are gods. You know, this one is, this one is Zeus and this one is Mercury or Hermes. And, and they wanted to make them gods. And then Paul and Barnabas were like, no, we're not gods. Don't worship us. Don't look at us. Look at, look at the Lord. And then remember that there was this controversy because Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel there. And the Judaizers came and they dragged Paul out of the city. And what did they do? They took rocks And they threw rocks at him until they thought he was dead. And they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. And what does Paul do? He says, hey, let's go back there. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, you know, there's certain places for me, you know, for vacation. When I hear about people going to places like, you're going where? For vacation? Why are you going to that place? I think of Paul going back in a missionary journey. Why would you go back to the place where they threw rocks at you until they thought you were dead? But you know what? That was Paul's heart. Paul's heart, he loved people. He loved the church. He wanted to see how they were doing. Let me tell you something else about Paul is that he was absolutely courageous. I I don't think that that courage is always not having any fear. I, I really believe that many times courage is seen when you're absolutely afraid, but you do the right thing anyway. So you're scared. You're afraid to talk to that person about Jesus you're afraid to invite them. You're afraid to talk to a brother or sister in Christ that you know that that path that they're on is not good for them. You're afraid of how they're gonna respond, but you know it's the right thing to do. And so you take a risk and you respond anyway. And I think that this is what Paul did. He goes back to Lystra and, and I, I think his desire was that the fruit would remain. Now, it doesn't say how much time, but when we piece it together, most uh, historians, when they, they look at uh, Paul's writings and historically what happened, this is about five years since Paul had gone uh, on to plant this church. And now five years later, he's coming back to this place. The second thing that I see is that uh, Paul had Timothy. Notice what it says with me in verse, um, in verse three, or actually in verse two. And behold, a certain disciple was there Uh, named Timothy. It's the end of verse one. The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go on with him. So there's this disciple named Timothy who uh, first believed, you know, through Paul. Paul led him to Christ. And I, I think that one of the greatest burdens that we should have is for people 
that are younger than us. You know, like you hear the, the kids, you know, over in children's ministry, what an awesome thing. Because at that age, they're just open to the things of God. You know, at that age, they have their whole future ahead of them. And let me tell you something else. The impressions of a child, they stick with you, don't they? Um, maybe you remember things about when you were a kid. Glimpses. It, it always amazes me when people talk about their parents as adults, the things that they remember. Uh, my daughter, she talked about one time, uh, we had a, this puddle and I told her to jump over this puddle and, and I think I shared this with you before. I've probably shared everything with you before. Uh, but uh, she said, I can't, I can't do it. And I said, yes, you can. No, I can't. I said, just jump over the puddle. You know, you're afraid, but if you jump over the puddle, you'll be fine. And she jumped over the puddle and she slipped and she hurt herself and fell in the puddle. And like, that is like her, one of the, the memories that's burned into her childhood. Don't trust dad because he's going he's gonna to get you hurt. Um, but you never know what people remember. Uh, I, I don't remember all the things my teachers and my coaches taught me, but I remember the teachers and the coaches that loved me. I remember the teachers and the coaches and the adults that put time into my life, the people at church that took interest in me, and, and realize that we have an impact on the next generation. Paul always had a desire to have this impact on this next generation. Remember, last time he took John Mark, this time he took Timothy. You know, later on, he's going to take, you know, he has Silas with him. There's always people that Paul is pouring into. I also think that it's important if you are young, you know, whether junior high through your 20s, um, it's not that if you're in your 70s and 80s that God can't use you. He wants to use you. But he wants to use you in ways to influence the generation that's coming up as well. But you know what? If you're in your you know, 20s or you're in your teens, don't ever feel like you're too young for the Lord to use you. Sometimes the thing that actually holds us back is our own self-doubt. Like, I'm too young. Jeremiah the prophet, that was his excuse. He came to the Lord and, and God was calling him to this ministry and he said, I'm too young. And you know what God told Jeremiah? He said, don't say that again. <laughs> don't say it again. Don't say you're too young. At other times, there's Abraham. Abraham said, I'm too old. And God says, don't say you're too old. Our limitations so many times are self-imposed because we look at ourselves and we're to look at the Lord and then take those steps of faith, realizing that God is the one that is doing the work. And I want to encourage you because it says in verse three, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. You know, one of the best ways of discipling someone is just having them with you. Uh, my youth pastor, when I was in high school, um, he would take Costco runs for the church. Hey, hey, Matt, I'm going to Costco. Do you want to go? Yeah, I want to go. And I would just go with him to Costco. And just sitting in the car and just being with him and just like talking to him, I didn't even realize that what was happening was discipleship was happening right there. And you know, one of the things as a, a dad, one of the things I love is, you know, we have five kids. So, you know, we're, we're kind of spread all over the place. But when I'm going to the store, I'll just ask one of them, hey, do you want to go with me? And I love that one-on-one -on -one time. And, and so have a Timothy and let me encourage you, no matter what age you are, to have a Paul. Someone else that you glean from, uh, someone else that you, you just talk to. I'm, I am super, super blessed right now. Uh, you know, Pastor Johnny, as one of the, the elders here, 
um, you know, Bob as, you know, one of the, the people in the church that I talked to. And I, I just met a man a couple of weeks ago named John Bristol that pastored a church. Some of you might know him. Uh, pastored a church in Milpitas. Milpitas Christian School came out of that. And he pastored that church for 33 years. He just moved to Scotts Valley. I went out to breakfast with him last week. And you know what? For me, that was golden. I just picked his brain. He just started sharing things with me. And I'm just writing things down. And you know, I have those have those Pauls in your life. And if you don't have them in your life or you don't have a Timothy, don't wait for them to ask. Don't think, well, no one's ever asked me to be a Timothy. And, uh, you know, you go to them and just spend time with them and just ask them. Now, the next thing that we see here, it says, he took him and everything, everything is cool up to this point. Like, I'm, I'm jiving with it. It's like, uh, it makes sense. Okay, Paul wanted to take Timothy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, the sound of the record scratching. It says in verse 3, And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they knew that his father was Greek. Now, this is, this is crazy. Don't read the Bible uh, with these old, stale eyes that we have and say, I've read this before, I've heard this. Read it with the freshness of what it was like when Paul said, Hey, Timothy... Uh, there's something that we need to do. <laughs> what in the world? You, we what? We need to, I mean, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said that would be some Costco trip. <laughs> hey, by the way, you know, there's something that we need to do. Now, now here's a crazy thing. The region that they're in is this region called Galatia. And, and Paul later wrote to the Galatians Let me read this to you. This is kind of a crazy thing. He said, oh, foolish Galatians. Paul didn't pull any punches. He was very uh, truthful and honest in dealing with people. And he said, who bewitched you that you would not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfected in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things if indeed it was in vain? So Paul wrote to them later in this area saying, you guys are are absolutely crazy because you know that we're saved by what Jesus did for us on the cross. And now you're going about saying that everyone needs to become Jewish in, in, uh, you know, ethnicity in a sense and ritualistically needs to be circumcised in order to be saved. Don't do that. He calls them foolish Galatians. Now here's a question. Was Paul being hypocritical by at this time saying, hey, Timothy, there's something that we need to do. Now, here's the difference, which is very, very key. With Timothy, Timothy was already saved. He was already regenerated, a follower of Christ, born again before this. This isn't like Paul saying, here, you need to do this to be saved or to be a follower of Christ. This is Paul doing this because Timothy's mother was Jewish, The religion would follow, in this culture, in this day and age, the religion of the mother rather than the father. And the reason was because uh, when it comes to birth, you know it's very obvious who the mother was. Because Timothy was going to join him and go to places where they were reaching out to Jewish people, this was not a matter of salvation as much as it was a matter of sensitivity. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. He said, I have become all things to all men that I might save some. 
He said, to the Jews, I became as a Jew. To the Gentiles, you know, I was as a Gentile. And let me explain that this is not compromising um, scripture. This is not compromising what Paul said about salvation. He's saying, hey, Timothy, in a sense, maybe you've heard the phrase, when in Rome, do as Romans. Now, now, don't do that when it comes to sinful things. But maybe do that when it comes to being culturally sensitive if they are not moral issues that go against scripture. Let me give you an example of that. When I went on a missions trip to China, we were there and uh, there was this, and this is the year after the Tiananmen uh, Square massacre. It was a very intense missions trip. We, uh, China was very closed at the time. Um, in many places in China, by the way, it is still very closed like that. Big cities are open sometimes and, and yet there's still some censorship. But out in the country, there's still a lot of persecution and it, it's a very scary thing. So we came in there, and we, were smuggled, we smuggled in Bibles, and uh, we visited missionaries, and we played on this basketball team. And there was a newlywed couple that, after the basketball game, said, would you come over to our home? You know, we just celebrated our wedding, and we would love to have you as our guest. So we went over to their home. Now, sitting there, they, they came out, and they began to serve us. And they, they began to serve us um, this kind of a... You know, for those of you that understand what Pruno is, you know, it's kind of like homemade alcoholic beverage, uh, which is disgusting and uh, super strong. And so they, they came out with this uh, alcoholic beverage and uh, they began to serve it to us. And our leader who spoke uh, Mandarin and he also spoke English and, and the people that were serving us only spoke Mandarin. He said this, he said, I want to let you guys know that this what they're doing culturally for them is an honor and it costs them a lot of time and money to make this. So if your conscience allows you to drink, then go ahead and drink it because we're trying to reach out to these people. And I love that. And so we went around and, and some people drank and some people didn't drink, but those that did, you know, it was this thing of like, they're trying to be culturally sensitive to reach out to this, this couple. Now at that point in time, maybe there would be someone that, is not a, you know, a, a teetotaler that's not a uh, drinker of alcohol at all. And maybe it's because you know, they've struggled with alcoholism. And that would be absolutely fine for them to say, you know, thank you, but, but no thank you. But if your conscience allows you, then to go ahead and partake so that you could reach out to them so that there's a relationship where you could share the gospel. Paul was very sensitive to the people that he was reaching out to. And what he did with Timothy, because Timothy's mother was Jewish, he said, let's do this in order to reach out to them. Paul did not require um, non-Jewish people to be circumcised that he was traveling with. And the difference was this was an issue of sensitivity. Um, whereas, you know, the other case, like with, with Titus, it was an issue of principle. When they wanted to uh, circumcise Titus, and by the way, Titus was not Jewish. Paul said, no, don't do it. And he said, we should not make him, and we're not going to make him, and it would be hypocritical to make him be circumcised. See, Timothy's case was an issue of sensitivity. In uh, Titus's case, it was an issue of, of biblical principle. Does that make sense? So uh, that's really important to see the difference there. I mean, Hudson Taylor, when he first went into China, um, before he went into China, he began to sleep on the floor. He began to eat the food that they ate. 
And, and the British missionaries thought he was crazy because you know what he did? He grew out a long Fu Manchu goatee and he shaved his head and then he made this long ponytail and he began to dress like they dressed in China. He was the first Western missionary to do that. And you know what? God used him to go deeper into China than any other Western missionary at the time. Why? Because he was culturally sensitive to their ways in a way to reach out to them. So that's why this issue is important because um, we need to, to pray, Lord, how can I reach out to these people that I'm around at your workplace? What are ways that, that without compromising your principles and, and values and morals, what are ways where you can learn to become all things, where I can learn to become all things to all men that I might save some? This last Friday, I was super blessed uh, Ian Utili invited me over because he is doing some work with Trent Dilfer, um, some marketing and, and strategy. And Trent Dilfer was the quarterback for the 49ers. He has an ESPN uh, show. So Friday morning, I went to uh, meet with him and, and had an opportunity, just question and answer time, just golden. He's, he's a strong follower, you know, after Christ. And, you know, I love Trent's heart because he said, you know, the reason he said, I, I look at myself and, uh, and these other guys that are Christians, that are announcers now, and coaches and, and athletes, he said, God has blessed us with an ability to play football or to know about football as a platform to be able to be a witness where we are. What is your skill? Is it real estate? Is it construction? Are, are you a, a mechanic? Are you a teacher? What is it that in your life, you can use that as a platform just to be able to share. So I invited, um, I'm, I'm helping to coach out Josiah's football team. So I invited some of the, the other coaches. Hey, do you want to come out to this thing? And they couldn't make it, but you know what that did? It opened the door because this week, guess what? Yesterday at Josiah's game, one of the other coaches said, hey, how was that, how was that talk with Trent Dilfer? By him asking me the question, it opened up the door for me to kind of share with him a, a little bit about some of the things that Trent shared. Ask the Lord for opportunities. Don't think that missionaries are only the people that go to the Philippines or Peru because God has you on a mission field right where you are. And you know what? If we were, what we want to do, and we're trying to figure that out, we're, we're trying to get a county map possibly on that side of the wall and, and let you go and put a pin where you live. And for us to visually see that map and to realize, oh, this is where we have missionaries in Santa Cruz County. So that wherever you see your dot, you think of yourself in that mindset. That's, that's how Paul thought. It says in verse 5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. And one of the things that we see is that healthy sheep produce healthy sheep. Acts 2.42 talks about how the early church just simply devoted themselves to prayer and to the word of God and to the breaking of bread and to fellowship. The Lord is the one that multiplies because if you have a vibrant, joyful, not, not always happy, I'm saying like there's peace in your life, and you have a walk with the Lord, there will be people that will say, you're going through so many trials, and I see that it's hard for you, but you're trusting God. What is it that makes you trust in God? Or what is it that's different about you? You know what? Healthy sheep produce healthy sheep. It says in verse 6, and now we get into really how God guides here. When they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, this doesn't compute. 
I have been forbidden by the Holy Spirit many times not to sin. The Holy Spirit will say, don't do that. That's sin. Don't look at that. Don't say that. Don't think that. Don't, don't do this action. That's sin. So he forbids me. But when it comes to preaching the word, I, I can imagine they were forbidden to preach the word by the government. Uh, they were forbidden to preach the word by the workplace. But it says here that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I just want you to tuck that away as we go through this because there are times that we think that we know what the Lord's will is. And the thing that blesses me about Paul is he doesn't stay home and sit in a room until he knows specifically exactly what the will of the Lord is. He takes what he believes to be the will of the Lord and he starts to walk in that direction. And closed door, boom. The Holy. I don't know how the Holy Spirit forbid them. I don't know if they, the government said, hey, you can't come into the city. I don't know if the captain of the ship said, uh, the, the seas are going this way and the wind, we can't land there. I don't know if it's within his heart, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, but we know that the Holy Spirit forbid them to, to preach the word in Asia. And then in verse seven, so, you know, they're, they're trying to go towards Galatia. They're trying to go that direction and, and the Holy Spirit prevented them. So they keep going north and, and it's kind of like, He's just looking for a crevice, just looking for the open door, looking for the, the direction. And it says in verse seven, after they had come to Amicia, they tried to go to Bithynia. So now, okay, God's closing the door here. Let's go this way. All right, the, the Holy Spirit's forbidding us. Let's go this way. But it says the Holy Spirit did not permit them. Again, it doesn't say how, but the Holy Spirit closed some doors and didn't permit them to do the thing that they wanted to do. That's why it is so important that we remain flexible. Realize this, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. I used to think of the Holy Spirit being like the force on Star Wars, you know, and then like this mystical force. But the Holy Spirit is God. That means that he has a will. It means that we could grieve the Holy Spirit. It, it means that he leads us and there are promptings that he gives us. And, and the question is, how does the Holy Spirit forbid them? It, it, it doesn't say well, let me give you this pattern for us in discerning God's will here just in these last two chapters in the book of Acts. In Acts 15, 28, um, the Holy Spirit led them. Um, in Acts 15, 28, they said, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden than these necessary things. So it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. There was like maybe a consensus and they all felt like, hey, this is the Lord. Um, in 1532, it says this. Um, now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So the gifts of the spirit, um, different people have different strengths. In Acts 15:34, it was through personal conviction. It says, for, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Hey, this seems good. Seems like people are growing. I think I should remain here. Um, in Acts 1535, it was through the word. In Acts 1536, it was through a burden. In Acts 1539, that was a conflict between Paul and Barnabas. And now here in Acts 16.6 and 16.7, they are closed doors. Has God ever closed a door in order to direct you in the way you should go? Um, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a, a house of mirrors, a mirror maze. 
Um, there's one that just opened up on Cannery Row down in Monterey. And you know what's really fun with, it doesn't matter what age, with kids or not, to have a race to see who could get through the mirror maze first. You're going to bump into a lot of glass because you're right, boom, you know, you're on boom and you just keep hitting things. Oh, this isn't the right way. Boom, this isn't the right way. And I'm not saying that we should be reckless in following the Lord's will and just do whatever we feel like doing. But when we believe that something is the Lord's will, then you know what? Don't be afraid. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And if you're abiding in Christ and you're delighting in the Lord and he gives you this desire, go for it. Go for it and and go forward and don't be scared and don't be uh, thinking that if I mess up, then that's the end of God's will for my life. Just allow the Holy Spirit to direct you and always be sensitive to closed doors or how God might be directing in a different way. Sometimes we, we knock on the door, Lord, is this your will? And we start to go and the door gets closed and then we try again, no, this isn't the Lord's will. And, and you didn't get the job and the house fell through and the ministry didn't open up and somehow something happened and that closed door is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it could be a very good thing because that means that God doesn't want you to go in that direction but he does want you to go in a different direction. He, he wants to work in our lives. So let's, again, not become uh, just stuck by the paralysis of analysis. Really, the key is surrender. If I'm surrendered to the Lord, which Paul was, which his heart was to preach the gospel, it was to do good things unto the Lord because of what God has done, not because he's trying to earn you know, salvation or, or God's love. He's just responding to God's love and wanting to tell people, and God is able to redirect him. Now, how many of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Some of you do, all right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible uh, for those Promise boxes, you know, you're always happy the day that you get that one. But it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own, what? Understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight or direct your path. Sometimes I I get stuck leaning on my own understanding. Why wouldn't you open the door for me to go to Asia to preach? This doesn't make sense. You know, I can imagine Paul going, this doesn't make sense. Why would the Holy Spirit do that? And imagine if he just keeps trying to go up against God's will. So we need to be open and we need to be flexible. And when we don't lean on our own understanding, we acknowledge him. Seeing God's will in hindsight is twenty twenty. And when you try to follow the, the Lord's will, think about your life. How many different turns and directions your life has gone And you were really seeking the Lord, thinking he was going to do one thing and he did another thing. But now you look back and you realize, wow, God was helping me. He was guiding me all the way through the difficulties that I was going through. So then it says in verse eight, so passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And then in verse nine, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately, now notice immediately, there was not this delay. Paul's not stuck because of the closed doors. Immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding. That means that we think so. We're, we're pretty sure that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, I love that because when we conclude that the Lord had called us to do something and we go in that direction, um, 
the Holy Spirit can guide us. And, and I, I think that there are times when, you know, someone will say, uh, do you know that this is the Lord's will? Do you know that you, do you know for sure that this is the Lord's will? And I could say, I believe that this is the Lord's will. I think Paul believed it was the Lord's will to go to Asia. I think Paul believed it was the Lord's will to go to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit prevented him. And then he has this vision and he's like, okay, that must be the place. Let's go there. Now, let me share that another way that the Lord can guide us is by uh, a vision. And, and by vision, I, I can only recall in my life just a couple of times where I felt like what would be considered a vision is kind of like being awake and, and like just seeing a picture of something. And there's been a couple of times where those things have been very clear and I just started to go in that direction and it seems like the Lord confirmed those things and it actually was. But most of the time, a vision is simply a burden that God gives you. It's simply a desire. You know, um, the, the burden that you have, if your heart, what, what moves your heart? I'm, I'm not talking about selfishly. I'm saying like, if you want to have an impact on this world, what are the things that move you? You know, for some of you, it's, it's simple things of hospitality. For others of you, it's preaching. For some of you, it's athletics and using that as a, a platform. What is it that moves you with passion to say, God, just use me in that area? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I hope, I, I really hope that when you hear about like stuff in this world, I don't know if you heard about a beheading that happened not in the Middle East, but just happened a couple of days ago in Oklahoma. Did you know that? Radical uh, Islamic type of uh, beheading in Oklahoma. So when you hear that, what, what does that do? When you hear about slavery around this world and human trafficking, you hear about people on the other side of the world and then also in our own backyard that are forced into prostitution. What does that do to you? You know, when you drive by homeless people and you walk by them and, and you know, some of them really have a, a real story of, of things that have happened to them, what does that do? When you go visit a friend in the hospital and they're in the emergency room or ICU and as you're walking, you're walking by room after room after room and you're seeing the look on people's faces and you're at, at the parking lot and people are cutting you off in the parking lot over at Dominican Hospital like they have me many times. And they're looking for a parking spot because there's not enough parking and everyone's angry. Does that make you angry or does that fill you with compassion realizing that must be so stressful for them right now? Because they're visiting someone that is sick or they are sick. And I could understand why they're going. What does that do? When you see crowds of people. And lines of people in traffic or, or in places. And you look at their faces and they look angry or they look sad. What does that do? When you see a little child that somehow has been excluded from a group of other kids. Off in the corner crying because they've been made fun of. What does that do? When you hear statistics about how one of the biggest, biggest businesses on the internet is pornography. And it's not a victimless crime and there are young men and women that are just seduced into this and are stuck into that and many people are addicted to that. What does that do to you? See, what do these things do? And I believe with all of my heart that Paul is moved with compassion and he's just saying, God, just use me anywhere. And if you close the door here, then where's the next door? 
How can you, how can I have an impact? How can I, how can I touch someone else's life and make a difference? And I really pray and I hope that God gives us vision. You know what Paul sees? He sees a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And what I hope that we see is we see people all around us, both within the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. And they may not have the guts to come to you and say, please come and help me. But you could see it in their eyes and you could see it in their circumstance. And I really believe that if we are drawing close to God, that our hearts will be touched by the things that touch his heart. And we'll see what it is that God wants us to see saying, come over here and help us. Now, let me tell you that when God speaks to you, when is the time to act? Right when he speaks to you. Now, you might not know where to go, but let me tell you this. Don't be the, don't be the over analytical type of person that says, I need a five-year plan. You know, God, I'll go. Give me a five-year plan and then, and then I'll go. It says that he saw the vision and immediately they concluded, I think that this is the Lord and they started to go in that direction. Now, let me, let me look at this uh, last part. Uh, I want to close with, oh, I went too far back. I want to close with this. What does the fulfillment of the vision look like in verse 11 through 15? Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which, by the way, on Wednesday evenings, we are going to be, uh, we're going to begin the book of Philippians this Wednesday uh, for Life Church. I encourage you to come on out, uh, dinner at 6, and then getting into worship and the word at 7. Um, but Philippi, we'll go into the background there, but he goes in this foremost city that is a part of Macedonia, a colony. It's a, a Roman colony. And it says, and we were staying in that city for some days. Now, let me give you Paul's strategy as a missionary. He goes to the place where he feels like the Lord is leading him, and he thinks that he can have the most impact. Why did Paul want to go to Rome? Because all roads lead to where? All roads lead to Rome. He thought, if I could just get to Rome, it didn't end up looking like what he thought it was going to look like. But every time he went to a place, he went to a major metropolitan area and then moved out from there as churches and, and uh, you know, different ministries will get, would get planted. He says, we were staying in that city for some day, days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, this place, um, there was no Jewish presence because if you had 10 Jewish believers, 10 Jewish men, that was the beginning of a synagogue. They couldn't even have a synagogue. So maybe you feel like in the place where you work or live, like there's no Christians there. There's not even 10 Christians. Well, good, because God placed you there. Don't say, well, there's no Christians, so I'm going to leave. Now there's going to be none. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the light out of the place of darkness. You know, just, just hold fast because what happens is these women are gathering by the riverside where customarily they would go and they would pray. And, and by the way, Paul went to the synagogues because they were, first of all, Jewish. They were religious people. They had a background. So go to people that have background in church. Go to people that have a background, maybe coming out of religion. Maybe we're raised in the church, but don't have that personal relationship with the Lord. And then they went to places where people were, uh, prayers were customarily made. We have this mantra in 
in the United States today, specifically California, and then narrow it down to Santa Cruz, spiritual but not religious. There are a lot of people that pray, meditate, light incense, uh, pray to all kinds of different gods. Use that as a stepping stone. And then it says, here's expository, you know, verse, this is, it says in verse 13, very simply, we sat down and we spoke to the women who met there. Whoa, profound, right? What was their strategy? Well, we sat down and we talked to them. Like what is, was it, did you have a, a giant crusade? You know, did you have a, a, a giant outreach? No, we just sat down and talked to people. Do you know that sometimes we're not willing to just sit down and talk to people? We, we just don't want to talk. To, oh, they're different. Oh, they're weird. I, I was just at a, a few months ago over at Woodstock's Pizza, and they had this Hindu prayer festival across the street. And, and I'm looking at these people going, I know that some of the people that were there weren't Hindu by background. They were just like, this is a fun thing to do. And they have themselves all painted up, and they have the dot on the forehead. And, and you know what? I just started, we just started talking to them. They looked crazy, like crazy weird, like out of Avatar or something, painted in all kinds of colors and, and just, just talking to them. Because you know what? People need to know that there's a God that loves them and is willing just to talk to them. And that's what Paul and Silas, they do. They just, they sit down or, or uh, um, they, they talk to them. And then it says in verse 14, notice, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. And she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. So here's a woman that worshiped the God of Israel, the God, the Hebrew, um, you know, the God of the Hebrews. And her name was Lydia and she was wealthy because if you dealt with purple, um, you know, purple dyes at that time, that was like a a treasure, you know, uh, their treasure would be gold and, you know, spices and uh, different carpets, but she was a seller of purple. And the Lord opened her heart. Only God could do that, by the way. We can't open people's hearts. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. I love her hospitality. I love how as a a new convert to Christ being baptized, She wants them to stay. She opens up her home. You know, one of the best ways to talk to people is in your home. Um, It's inviting them out to lunch. It's talking to them. It's sitting down with them. And I want you to see this as we get to this application. When Paul had the vision to go to Macedonia, what did he see? He saw a man saying, come over here and help us. When they get to Macedonia... What do they see? Lydia and a bunch of women that are over by the riverside. Sometimes the vision that we have isn't what it looks like when God fulfills it. So we think it's going to look one way and we could be very stumbled when we think it's going to look a certain way and we start to go in that direction and it looks a little bit different than what God had, uh, than what we had originally thought of. And so I just want to encourage you, if there's, a, if there's a hard case in your life, a friend or a loved one that just won't seem to open their heart, ask the Lord to open their heart. It was the Lord that opened Lydia's heart, and God is an opener of hearts. So our applications, have a Timothy and have a Paul in your life. 
Have people that you pour into and people that pour into you. And don't settle for saying, I am discipled online by listening to this person and reading these books. God wants us to connect to real people. He wants us to get to know real people. I mean, yes, be discipled by those other things by all means, but don't leave it there. And have a Paul, have a Timothy in your life. Uh, Secondly, do everything you can to reach those who don't know Christ. Look for the open doors. Just keep going forward. Just keep looking for that daylight. You know, a good running back like Frank Gore runs to daylight. He sees a little crack of light, a little crevice, and boom, before you know it, he's going that direction. As Christians, run to daylight. Just keep going in that direction. Third, follow Jesus and be led by his spirit. Don't have your five-year plan for your life. Just say, okay, Lord, what you want me to do, I'm gonna plan, but I'm open to what your Holy Spirit is doing. And really, it's this. It's not following the plan as much as it is following Jesus. Have you ever followed someone and they said, this is how we're gonna get there? And you think that they're gonna go this freeway, this off-ramp, this street, and then they go a different direction. What do you do? Do you go, okay, well, you said you're going this way. I'm still gonna go the way. Maybe somewhere in route, they realize this isn't the right way or we're gonna go a different way. It's faster. And you, you follow them. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm gonna point you the way. He said, I am the way. So follow him. And finally, trust him when it looks different than what you expected. Following Jesus is, it's beautiful. He fills you with peace. He fills you with joy. And it is very often difficult and different than you expected it to be like. Don't be stumbled when what you thought God was going to do looks different than what he actually does. Now, if we have the worship team come up, The bottom line is this, follow Jesus. He didn't promise to point the way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So he's not Jesus on the street corner saying, okay, you know, just keep going down that street and then you're gonna see a sign. He just says, follow me. Wherever he leads you, follow him. That daily abiding relationship. Now, I'd like to close um, just in that, worship of following jesus and have my daughter rebecca come up here and actually if um uh see matt's in here and deanna's teaching back there and the rest of them are back there but matt can you come on up too and then um if some of you that know her uh just right right down here in the front we're gonna pray over her i'm gonna stand down here right down here um this is uh this is really cool because uh, my daughter Rebecca is leaving um, tomorrow for a year, and Lord willing, um, we'll see what happens, whether it's a year or more than that, or where the Lord leads her. Uh, but you hear what happens around our world, and you hear about you know human trafficking and, and things that happen, how God closes doors and he opens doors. Um, originally, because Rebecca majored, one of her majors was Spanish um, in college, she was looking to go to a Latin American country this, this year. And as she was looking, the doors closed. She was going to go to Peru. And uh, the week that my dad uh, went to be with the Lord, uh, my daughter received a phone call. And the phone call was from International Justice Mission. And the open door was to the Philippines, uh, to where my dad was born and where he came from. And so uh, she's going there. And uh, right now there's a a great battle uh, against human trafficking that happens there. As we're going to see next week in the book of Acts, 
um, you know that uh, there's the demon-possessed girl, and when the demon is cast out of her, the business, uh, the revenue of these guys that used her as a fortune teller, it's gone, and then they come after Paul, and they come after uh, you know, those that, that are there. Um, they're going after bad guys, and they're actively uh, seeking to put some of these guys in prison, to rescue young girls, to take care of them, and to tell that story around the world. So uh, I, as a dad, you know, we, we launch her out as an arrow. It says that, you know, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And those arrows are offensive weapons. And we're praying that she does a lot of damage, that uh, when she lands there, there's a, a lot of damage. So um, l- let's pray. Father, we thank you that, um, Lord, you have called all of us as followers of Christ to be on mission, to do the things, Lord, that make an impact on this world for you. We ask for your hand of protection upon her. We pray, Lord, that she would see great and mighty things, works, Lord, that, that uh, are above and beyond what she could ever expect or imagine. Uh, we pray for great uh, praise reports and things to happen there. And then we, we also pray for these girls to be rescued. And God, I think about how you came to rescue us. Jesus, you were the original missionary. You came from heaven to earth. You came to show us that the the human soul has worth in your eyes. You came to give us value. Lord, you came to give us purpose and meaning. And God, while you are a God of love, you are also a God of justice. So we pray that as they go out there to do justice, that your hand would be upon them. Then, Lord, we pray for each one of us. Lord, help us to, in our hearts, to say, Jesus, here here am I, send me. And Lord, if it's send me to my own family, if it's send me to my school, if it's send me to my office or my neighborhood, Lord, just send us. Help us to follow you. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. And uh, we pray for Rebecca that she would do the same. And we thank you. Thank you so much for a wonderful body of believers that is here. Lord, I thank you that as a body of Christ, we could uh, just come alongside of one another, both in trials and in ventures of faith. And we love you and we thank you. We uh, thank you for Rebecca. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. As we spend some time in worship, follow Jesus. He didn't promise to point the way. He said, I am the way. And if you've never received Christ as your Lord, your Savior, let me tell you simply what it means. It means saying, God, forgive me because I've gone my own way. It means, God, I want to trust you because I I know that you sent your son to die for me. And it means I just want to follow and I want you to change my heart. And if that's what you would desire to do, I'm going to pray a prayer and I would ask that you would pray this with me and then afterwards come up and let me know so that I could help you, point you in that direction to grow in your walk with the Lord. Let's pray. If you've never received Christ or maybe you have been a Christian or you've been in church for a while, but you've asked him to save you, but you've never really said, Jesus, I I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to grow. Um, Let today be that day where you trust him enough to surrender because he loves you, because he has a plan. So would you pray with me? Jesus, 
Thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me. Help me to trust you, to give you control of my life. And I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. And I ask that you would walk with me as you send me. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship together.